I am very, very happy to welcome Nate Beef for Bacon to the show. He is a Lightning Network expert. He was part of the original crew that helped build out Plebnet, and he is someone that has always been so generous with his time. Whenever I was having issues with my node and I didn't understand some very, very nuanced aspect, I could always reach out to him, and he was super generous and was like, oh yeah, let me help you through that. He also is part of the team at Voltage, who are doing some really interesting stuff with the with the Lightning Network and you know the leasing of nodes. And I'm super excited to have them on the show. Nate, welcome. Guys, so happy to be here. PQ, Q, we never met, but hopefully we get to hang out soon. P, we go back a while though. And yeah, happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me on. Absolutely. What would you add to the introduction that I just gave for you? I mean, that's about it. I'm I'm just a pleb that you know, libertarian got into Bitcoin right as the Lightning Network was really kind of coming out and everyone said I had to start a node. So I figured might as well go all the way and do Lightning and on-chain at the same time. But Lightning is what really struck my interest way back in the day. And I taught myself Linux <laughs> command line stuff to get through it. And I just, I just, and I was working a, a normie job back then. And then now I'm working in what I love. So I'm stoked to, to talk about anything you want to talk about. Amazing. Can you go into a little bit more your journey to Bitcoin and sort of what about Bitcoin captivated you initially? And then what led you more specifically into the Lightning Network? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I guess so. So for, for, for just me personally, I probably went down the libertarian rabbit hole in college around 2010. I joined a poker club and turns out everyone there was libertarian and they taught me a lot. I read Economics in One Lesson by Henry Hazlitt and went down the Rothbard train. I was I was a big Gary Johnson supporter in 2012. And then sort of after college, I hit sort of like that lull where it's like, I don't know what I want to do yet. So I didn't really have an income or anything. I was always watching Bitcoin, though. I watched Mt. Gox happen. I watched everything happen. I told myself, you know, if if Bitcoin can recover from this, I'm going to dive right in. And as soon as I was actually making a decent income, I dove right in to, to Bitcoin after that, started learning more, got the Bitcoin standard. I think that was like my first Bitcoin book, even though I was into Bitcoin before that came out. And, uh, and then I was on Reddit at the time and they said, yo, you need to like get your funds off the exchange, get a ledger, get a treasure. And then, and then the next thing was get, start a node. So my first node that I was running was the Raspi Bolt, which was a static. If no one knows, it's an awesome project where you build your own Raspberry Pi lightning node from scratch on command line, but they give you like the step-by-step -step process to do that. And then I just sort of fell in love. My first thing I bought with lightning was stickers from the Blockstream store. And it just blew my mind because I no longer have to put in, you know, details about credit cards and all this stuff. So I, I could go on from there, but that's pretty much kind of where I'm at. And then, uh, and then Graham, the CEO of Voltage hit me up in September because earlier that year, my, my daughter was born and I had a little bit of time off from work. That's when I spent a lot of my energy doing PlebNet and doing free lightning node consulting. Cause I've been doing it for like almost a year at that point where it was, and then, it was, you know, it was, it was really taking off about a year and a half ago. So I put a lot of my time in that and the CEO of Voltage caught wind of that. So in September of last year, he offered me a job to head support and education at Voltage. And I've been there ever since. That's awesome, man. One of the other things that I think is, is really interesting is that you've been running a profitable lightning node for a very, very long time. And 
you know, it, it basically yeah. for everyone that uh, doesn't know, you know, when, when you're participating in the Lightning Network, you can be just a person who is utilizing the Lightning Network to be able to send Bitcoin essentially you know, for very, very low fees and essentially instantaneously. So, you know, Strike and lots of wallets that are that are pretty popular use use the Lightning Network to be able to do that. And you can do that. You don't have to understand anything about the deep, you know, nuts and bolts of the Lightning Network. You could also be a, a merchant who is interested in, in accepting payments via the Lightning Network. And then there are certain constraints you have to understand. And then at the far end of the spectrum, there's people that are, you know, for are crazy or for whatever reason, they want to really understand how the 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 sort of like you know, all the deep structures of kind of the equivalent of like a telecom network operate. And so if you do, if you want to do that, you can run your own lightning node and it's, it is, it's actually far easier than most people think that it would be. And, you know, then you can come to understand that. And so you have to adjust your, your fee structures because you're getting paid as people are routing through your node in the network. And so it's a very, it's a very competitive environment. And so when people are able to even like a tiny, you know, with like 10 cents or a day or 10 cents a month or whatever, <laughs> being able to be profitable is, is kind of a, a, a mark of success because you are competing in this environment where there's massive entities, you know, like a strike or, you know, all these, all these large exchanges that are actively trying to do the same thing. So even when it's a tiny amount, it's a, it's a significant achievement. Absolutely. And, you know, back, back during the PlebNet days, that's what we were really kind of trying to do, maximize throughput and then see what kind of fees we can squeak out. And we talked about things and so we could dive into the details here, but we talked about things, you know, we have channels that drain and those are the channels that you can increase the fees on to to and those will be your primary sort of fee generators but what really blew my mind was when lightning pool came out by lightning labs which was this blind marketplace where if you've been running a node that is 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 good for the network and the network is built in a way where your node is it, you can easily sort of tell if if your node is a benefit to the network or not and nodes that are beneficial to the network, their channels are worth more than channels from nodes that aren't beneficial to the network. So Lightning Pool was like the first like, oh, cool. Wow, there's like another way to monetize because you're running a good node. The channels from your node are now in demand to a point where people are willing to pay for that. And that that took me a whole down a whole other rabbit hole. But yeah, run, running a node is 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 really cool from that perspective and now now you can sell effectively lease a channel to somebody for a time period and then you can also collect fees on that channel simultaneously so there's like multiple ways now to sort of monetize your node if you're taking care of it and and it's, it's high quality yeah absolutely and again just for the broader audience when we talk about the lightning network it is a layer two technology that sits on top of Bitcoin, which is, you know, on-chain transactions layer one. And, you know, Bitcoin transactions prioritize, you know, settlement, security, and a lot of other things, decentralization, disintermediation of the, you know, process of money transfer. And in order to be, in order to have sort of confidence in a transaction, you have to wait approximately, you know, at least one block, that's about 10 minutes, for a on-chain Bitcoin transaction, whereas Lightning, ne Lightning Network transactions, which again sit on top of layer one, as I said, happen essentially instantaneously. And the way that works from a nuts and bolts perspective, and Nate, please jump in anytime I say mm -hmm. anything that uh, you disagree with, is you know I have a Lightning node running and Q has a Lightning node running and Nate has a Lightning node running. We open what are called Lightning channels to each other. So you make an on-chain transaction that creates a kind of a collaborative channel that exists between two nodes. And then you can kind of push sats back and forth on these channels. But the real power of the Lightning Network 
comes when you start to have this larger network. So if I want to send, if I have a, you know, 100,000 sat, sat channel with, with Q and I want to send sats through to Nate, I don't actually even have to have a direct connection to Nate. As long as in this example, this very limited example, Q has a channel to Nate, I can route those sats that I'm trying to send to Nate through Q's node and then over to Nate. And in order to do that, I pay Q a very small fee for being able to, you know, for facilitating that transaction. And so it's that's kind of the overall way that the Lightning Network works, but it becomes really powerful when you imagine it like a giant spider web. There is, you know, tens of thousands of nodes in the Lightning Network and they're all interconnected. So you have this massive web of these Lightning channels and your node basically runs these calculations to figure out what is the most efficient way that I can route through the entire network. And then it makes that transaction and you, the, you know, your payment kind of ping pongs through the entire network and eventually gets where it needs to go. So that's kind of a high level overview of how the Lightning Network works. Yeah, that's awesome. And now we've got almost 15,000 nodes with at least one announced channel to the network. You don't have to announce your channels if you don't want to, but that's how we get this data. So it's it's growing a lot. And yeah, and that that's pretty much all a channel is, right? It's the, the in, in your example, Q's node isn't paying me through that channel you have with him. It's paying me through his channel he has with me. So it's effectively like, you're giving me five bucks, I'm putting it in this hand, and then I'm taking five bucks out of my pocket and giving that away if I was the routing node and then putting that other five in my pocket. And then it's just that 15,000 times. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the the tools that one can, that one is able to use in order to make this process more streamlined, more efficient, are getting better and better and better and better. And, you know, what, three, four years ago, there there weren't any of these extremely functional, you know, iOS and Android apps that you could use. Again, you don't have to understand how it works. All the stuff I just, all the information I just imparted to you, you don't even have to understand that. You can just download an app like Moon Wallet, that's M-U-U-N. You can do this in, in Blue Wallet. There's Wallet of Satoshi. There's all these different app, you know, applications that you can use. And they all use slightly different custodial models in order to do this. But, you know, if you're interested in learning about it, there's no better way than to kind of dive in and just start getting your hands dirty. Yeah. I'm, Go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, I'm, I'm really curious for you. How have you seen the Lightning Network kind of evolve over the years that you've been involved, that you've been playing around with it? Right. Yeah. Okay. So when I first came, the, fir the only mobile wallet available was the Eclair wallet from Async. And on this wallet, it was a full Lightning node on your phone. You had to manually open channels. And it sucked your battery out of your phone pretty, pretty fast, but it was still awesome. And so we've we've now got to this point where it's like, okay, we, we said, okay, if you want to run a, a lightning routing node and your motivation is you have maybe some capital in cold storage, some Bitcoin in cold storage, you want to maybe play around with these maybe selling channels, building up a node for the network. That's one way to go about it. An another reason to either run a node or we'll talk about, I'll bring up mobile wallets here in a second, is that maybe you actually want to buy stuff. Like it's a lot easier now to use your Bitcoin to buy stuff and, and sort of maybe slowly reduce your footprint in the traditional debit visa banking system, right? There's a lot of motivations there. Maybe you don't want to have your credit card numbers exposed to certain people or whatever. So some great examples of my favorites, I'm just going to put out. Bit Refill is awesome. They have bill pay now. So you can pay like credit card bills with Bitcoin, stuff like that. There is KYC on that. They do gift cards also. 
there's pay with moon not to be confused with moon pay which is a shitcoin company but pay with moon is like virtual debit cards and you can buy a precise amount so if you order a pizza it's like 23.94 or something go over there hit 23.94 it'll give you a visa you know a credit card number you just pop it in buy your pizza and then uh there's a new ish company called the bitcoin company and they actually do physical gift cards so you can buy a physical gift card, pay a dollar for shipping, and they'll ship it out to you. So there's like really cool ways to sort of like spend your Bitcoin now. And the the a lot of these wallets are, are, are when I say wallets, I mean like mobile apps that you can use with Lightning. Wallet Satoshi, Blue Wallet to an extent. Some of these are, are fully custodial, meaning you don't want to put a lot of Bitcoin on these devices. But if you want to see how fast and cool the Lightning Network is, it might be a good start for you. I personally like to recommend Phoenix these days, which is a non-custodial non lightning app and is sort of like the Gen 2 async wallet after Eclair, which was Gen 1. And then the Moon wallet, which you brought up, the M-U-U-N wallet is also really, really cool. So there's a lot more options now to sort of play with, which can be a little bit daunting, but you know you can get your feet in little by little and, and take it as far as you want. But yeah, I mean, try it out. Buy a $20 Amazon gift card on BitRefill or something. Anyone out there that hasn't done it yet, it's a lot of fun. Love it. So we have two questions from one of our, our viewers. The first, I'm going to, it basically is how do you optimize your lightning channels? And I actually want to say Nate has a fantastic YouTube clip that goes into sort of how he thinks about starting up a, or opening a new node, and that's the wrong term, spinning up a new lightning node, and then opening channels, which I highly recommend. Nate, how can people find that video? Gosh, I have so much content out there now. I'm not exactly sure which one you mean. I've, I've got some videos on the Voltage YouTube. I have a lot of blogs and guides on the Voltage blog now. I did, I did a pod with Stefan Lavera that might be useful to help out with that. But that's, that's a really big question, and I get that question a lot, and it's just a, a kind of a long discussion because the word optimize can mean a lot of things in Lightning. But yeah, I'm not exactly sure which one you're referring to. Yeah, let me actually phrase it slightly differently. How would you best answer this question? What, what resources would you recommend for people that are, are trying to understand how to optimize their Lightning channels? And I also, as you answer that, Open Water Swim also had a second question, which was, what is the, the benefit of balancing channels? Like, why is mm. that important as well? So yeah, what are the best resources that you'd recommend out there for yeah. people to get interested cool. in. Cool. I love it. So, so yeah, I, I definitely recommend the Voltage blog. I do have a lot of really, really cool guides on there. And I do have a couple of videos on the Voltage uh, YouTube. As far as the optimizing channels, so in my opinion, sort of everybody who runs a Lightning Node in a serious way sort of has their own little strategies and stuff. We might actually disagree. So this is just my opinion. just want to preface that. But I want a channel to do either two things. I want it to flow with the network relatively evenly, meaning that payments that are going through the network are going through my node. And that channel isn't getting like, like the worst thing it could do is to get all the way to the outbound side and get stuck there. That is, and so there's a couple of ways to mitigate, not mitigate that, but like try to solve that. If it's with a peer that has a lot of channels also, you can go to their amboss page, amboss.space and see what peers they have channels with. And maybe if you open up a channel with, it, it's so hard because it's really, it, you have to sort of experiment. But if you have any channels that are stuck in the outbound state to a peer should be flowing through, then then I, I would try to try to figure out who are they connected to? What are, is, is there a path to them? 
Balance of Satoshis is a great tool for this where you could customize probe out through different nodes. So it can get kind of advanced on that. But what I like to do is I like to try to get my channels, each one individually to either route both directions or I want to open up a channel to a destination or to a peer that I know that the demand of the network is going to that peer because then I could charge a higher fee rate for that channel because it's going to a high demand destination. So that's how I optimize those channels specifically. That's, that's about all I'm going to add for that sort of generalized topic, even though I can get more into it. And what was the second part? Oh, it was a question around rebalancing. Like what does it mean uh, to rebalance a channel and why is that yeah. important? So in traditionally a rebalance is, so a, let's define balance first, I guess. A lot of folks say a balanced channel is a channel that has half the capacity on one side and the other half the capacity on the other. And the reason why it's a good idea to keep it close to that ratio is so that the, the throughput of that channel can go in both directions. Um, so what might happen is maybe it'll go one way or another, and then you have another channel on your node that's the opposite. So say you have a lot of out, outbound, you have another channel with a lot of inbound, and maybe that channel with a lot of inbound, if you shifted some of that outbound to it, you might be able to increase your fees. That's sort of a, it's called a circular payment or a self-payment also. And you got to be really careful with that because you're sending a payment out to the network that's coming back to you. So all those hops out in the network will probably take a fee. And the good news is, you know, the fee beforehand, at least on balance of Satoshi's you do and on Thunderhub you do. So you can do the math to say, okay, is the amount that I'm going to pay for this rebalance going to at least have me break even if the channel is when it, when it, when it drains again, how much fee rate do I need to put on that channel for, for me to like not lose money? There's no point in doing a rebalance if you're going to lose money for it. So that's, that's my opinion on that. Yeah, I think that's a fantastic explanation. And it, as as you know, Nate was kind of referencing, this is where you, I've said this before, but where it becomes this like almost like a real time strategy game where you're trying to identify these areas, these parts of the Lightning Network that are liquidity kind of like black holes. They're just constantly they constantly are having payments sent into them, and then there's other ones that are constantly sort of sending payments out from them into the network. And so you're trying to find these these environments where you can kind of exist in between those two, and then get those payments routed through your node because anytime somebody routes through you you get you know you get sats but then you have to figure out there's only a certain amount you can you can route so then you have to figure out how to get those back you know in the the sats Go yeah ahead. just to add to that real quick a lot of folks are like gosh i don't have a lot of bitcoin can i like still run a routing node or whatever yeah you can you can run a cool little routing node with with you know you don't need like three or four bitcoin some people have that you can have 10 20 30 million sats and have 10 to 15 really cool really good channels of like 1 million sat capacity and there's no problem with that. And the primary goal of it of a of a node that doesn't have like a ton of capital is like like you were alluding to you try to find a niche of the network that's not being utilized as much. It's kind of like building a new road between two intersections that doesn't exist yet, but if it did exist would be in high demand for traffic. And there's ways to do that, but that that that's a good goal for for gamifying your node a little bit. And I'll also say like, I, there was a very, very brief ephemera where I like made, I was, I was slightly profitable in the lightning network. But for me, you know, I run a lightning node, not because I expect to make a bunch of money, but because I want to learn how all this works and because I want to support the lightning network overall. And so I, I wouldn't, you know, 
I wouldn't want somebody to go into this thinking like, all right, I'm going to earn a shit ton of money. You know what I mean? It's, 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 it's a really, really important thing to understand, or it's very valuable to understand, I should say. And so that's how I would go into this if you are interested in, in doing this. Very few people in the world can do this. And the trajectory of the Lightning Network, as far as popularity and recognizability and just even just normal businesses in the world is growing. So it doesn't take a genius to know that maybe learning a thing or two might put you in a really nice position in the future. So it's a, it's a low time preference thing for sure that I'm that's not only fun now, but could pay off in the future for people. Absolutely. Hey guys, this is Q from Bitcoin Magazine Live. I just want to let you know that tickets for Bitcoin Amsterdam are on sale now. The largest Bitcoin conference in Europe will take place from October 12th to 14th. More details can be found at b.tc forward slash conference forward slash Amsterdam. Use promo code BMLIVE to get 10% off of your Bitcoin Amsterdam tickets today. If you're like me and want to gain a deeper understanding of what's going on within the Bitcoin market and broader macro environment, you need to subscribe to Bitcoin Magazine Pro today. There's both a free and paid version of this daily newsletter where our market analysts break down what's going on in the markets so you don't have to. Subscribe today at BitcoinMagazinePro.com. Okay, let's shift over and talk about sort of some of the, the current events that are going on. And also, I would say, if there's anything in particular that you are excited about that you want to like really dive into and, and chew through today, let, yeah. let's do it. But uh, I think the biggest... Yeah, go ahead. No, 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 I was going to say, I mean, I, one thing, there's a couple, a couple things I'll throw out there. I'm really curious if you have thoughts on kind of the, the tornado cash situation and the sanctions that are going mm -hmm. on. I'm curious if you have thoughts about, you know, tarot and kind of the, the work that Lightning Labs is doing there. And mm -hmm. I'm also curious on kind of the, the work that Voltage is doing in terms of making it easier to manage, you know, one or a large number of nodes. But truly, anything that you are excited about, let's, let's dive into it. Yeah, I'll, I guess I I could talk about any of those topics for a long time, but I, I'll talk about Voltage just real quick. I, in my opinion, up until Voltage, you if you wanted to run a node, you were kind of, well, if you wanted to use Lightning, let's say, you either have to do these mobile apps, right? But Or, or build out a computer, a Raspberry Pi, learn how to install stuff. And one of the big issues there is if you're a hobbyist, it's kind of okay. Like I highly recommend people build their own nodes. But if if you're looking to run a lightning node because maybe you have an internet, maybe you make cool clothes or something somewhere in the world and you want to be able to like sell your clothes to the world, the global market, it's really, really hard to do that in the traditional system but if you have bitcoin all of a sudden it unlocks a lot so that's just kind of one use case but i want to talk about because with voltage your node doesn't go offline we host it in a data center and you get support btc pay server which connects to your shopify your woocommerce so what, what voltage is trying to do is have that and I'll dare I say enterprise grade infrastructure, which is true for lightning nodes in a non-custodial way, right? Because that's been the big gap. We have like really, really like non-user friendly, run your own node, you know, figure it out yourself sort of thing. If your power goes out or your internet goes out, you can't use it anymore, which is really, really bad if you're running a business and that's the back end of your point of sale system. And the other hand, you have like a custodial, KYC thing, which is great for what they do, like OpenNode or 
or anything like that. But there's like there needs to be something in the middle. There's like a little bit of a trade off, right, where, you know, it's, it's hosted somewhere else. But one of the cool things about Voltage is it's it's non-custodial. We don't have direct access to funds and we don't see what you're doing. It's encrypted client side, which means that we don't store your password, which decrypts access to your node. So really, really interesting business, in my opinion, that our CEO, Graham, thought of and put together. And we're adding new features and stuff all the time. I really encourage anyone just can make an account on Voltage.cloud and just, just play with it. No KYC or anything. And uh, uh, I just, yeah, any questions about Voltage for that? I just want to answer any questions on that. No, I mean, I you... Uh, yeah. It's L&D right now. Cool. We have, and soon, we've and, just added LN Bits and Thunderhub oh, nice. is also available uh, directly in the platform. You don't have to install it, nothing like that. Nate, I got stupid questions for you, but could you define those things for the less technically yeah. savvy Folks here. Oh, the, the the things I just said. Yeah. So so Thunderhub is a open source platform. A sort of I don't want to say platform. It's like an open source tool that's fully GUI. Gives you a cool visualization of all your channels. You can set fees. You can open channels, close channels, send funds, whatever, in a nice GUI way. Tony from Amboss um, built Thunderhub first before building Amboss, and now Thunderhub is like under Amboss because it's Amboss is their company. So we have that built into Voltage for those who are managing their nodes so they don't have to install that separately. And then we also have LN Bits, which is another tool by a gentleman named Ben Art. We launched recently in Voltage that will allow you to do cool things like really easy point of sale, lightning address, really developer sort of tools. So Voltage has a lot of a lot of features that various types of people would want to use. Like developers really like to use Voltage for Lightning apps because we have APIs. You still have access to the LND connections, a lot of stuff like that too. So we are really trying hard to simplify running a Lightning node in a in in a very reliable fashion with our dashboard and with our hosting. And then I think just, can you describe the different lightning protocol implementations? You mentioned Eclair uh, and CLN. Yeah. So there's, there's the big three and then a fourth now, but the big three is LND by Lightning Labs and LND is probably right now the easiest to use. That is what we primarily use at Voltage right now. They're They, they focus on, on usability, right? They have GUIs and, and things like that. And then there is Blockstream C Lightning, which is now called Core Lightning or CLN, which is sort of a power user lightning implementation. They they use, what do they call them? Not widgets, plugins. They use plugins for different sort of features they can use with, with your Core Lightning node, like accounting or just other, other, other things that developers or, or users might want to use. And then there's Async has Eclair which is focused primarily on the mobile, the non-custodial mobile Lightning node, which Phoenix is their primary app. And then Spiral, which I guess is an offshoot. Uh, What's it called? It was Block and then Spiral. I don't remember. It was Jack Dorsey's thing. Anyway, they do the Lightning Development Kit, which is a tool for developers who want to actually build their own lightning implementation but not have to like build everything from scratch so for those that don't know a lot of apps and stuff use what's called libraries which is sort of like prepackaged code that you can just sort of put into your project so you don't have to write it yourself 
and that is what the LDK is for. So right now, John Cantrell is using LDK for a Sensei, which is a really cool implementation idea. And I think Cash App also uses it. Yeah, I think they do. Very cool. That's it right um, now. Yeah. <laughs> love it. Q, did you get your question answered? I have other like silly, yeah, let's go through sort them. of low hanging fruit mm -hmm. questions. Like we we throw a lot of these phrases Talk out. And like, I'm not going to tell you which questions I actually need answered and which ones I know the answers to, to save, save face a little bit. But I will start by saying, I do understand what I'm about to ask, but we talk a lot about like lightning is layer two. Mm. What the fuck does layer two mean? And can we equate it and give examples back to like the current internet infrastructure and how we interact with that to make it digestible? Cause I, I've, I found that explanation is most helpful, but also like. Yeah. Go nuts and tell me to fuck off. Yeah, no, okay, <laughs> that's perfect. So, so the internet is decentralized information. Bitcoin is decentralized money. So, when the internet was first, you know, being put together by the geniuses 40, 50 years ago, however it was, you know, they had no, they, they were just excited to pass bits and bytes to different college campuses none of them had any idea of music streaming, video streaming, what we're doing right now. None of that was possible. Different protocol layers had to be built on the internet, on the TCP IP protocol. And there's, I'm not an expert on it, but what we're doing right now is interacting with, I think, five or six layers of that base internet protocol. And that increases things like throughput, bandwidth, and quality, all that kind of stuff. So the internet is this cake, this layered cake that you can sort of visualize. And there's really, you know, you could Google a protocol, internet protocol layers, and I'm pretty sure some cool graphics for that. And Bitcoin, only a little over, what, 12 years old now or something? Yeah, layer one is great. It's very secure. It's very, you know, it's it's, it's immutable, essentially reserved, all this really, really cool features and stuff, but the, the throughput has a problem if you impose global finance on top of it. So cryptographers, you know, there's, there's layer two is this idea where you can do Bitcoin transactions without having to fill the, the, the blocks, right. But, but like jam up the pipes of the base layer, we can do it on, we could still have that security apparatus in a way. But also get the fine, get the instant settlement and finality with without having to interact with that. So Lightning Network is one proposal of that. Blockstream's got something like called the Liquid Network, where you're basically just transfer Bitcoin off of the Bitcoin base layer. You're not actually doing that, but just it helps visualize it and then interact with it in this like sort of side area before coming back. Lightning's similar but different on that because Lightning is more has this sort of node gossip network system so it's it's just about taking the same concept that worked for the internet and applying it to this new money because bitcoin is the money of the internet but it's also the internet of money in that respect love that can we also just explore the the I don't know what the best way to describe it. i'm just going to call it a phrase that you see sometimes pop up on bitcoin twitter of like oh Bitcoin is my savings account and lightning is my checking account. Like let's, mm -hmm. let's unpack this because I don't think people like, and what I really want to eventually get to is the yeah. importance of what Jack and strike announced at B22. Sure. 
Because I think there's a disconnect with like what actual the impact of that can be. Yeah, that's I, I actually use that analogy myself when I am talking to folks. So once you buy Bitcoin, this is sort of like not all new Bitcoiners go through this process, but I think a lot of them do where they buy Bitcoin. They say, cool, I've got Bitcoin now. And then they say, oh, I have to put it into cold storage because I don't want to sell it. I was I'm convinced that, you know, it's going to go up in in value. But I also am thinking about long term. So I'm going to learn how to use cold storage. You put it into cold storage. I think that a good a lot of folks that I talk to inevitably ask the question, what do I do with it, though? And that's kind of why I like the idea of helping people maybe buy a gift card on bit refill and stuff because it can expose them to using lightning and you don't want to have your entire cold storage aka life savings life bitcoin savings in in a lightning setup there's no point to that if you've got ten thousand dollars worth of bitcoin and you're only going to spend a hundred dollars on lightning every month there's no point in having all $10,000 in a lightning phone app or even your node, really. I mean, unless you go YOLO like some of us did. But if you think about it that way, you know, you sort of maybe once a month you open up a channel that maybe you, maybe you don't want to really dive into the whole routing thing. You just want to use your lightning node because it's cool and fun. You use it as a checking account. You can access your node mobily using Zeus, for example, which is this cool open source interface with your node that you could take anywhere with you. But yeah, you just you just open up a channel to a well-connected node with the amount that you expect to spend during a time frame. And that's sort of like you're checking spending money for the month or the week or whatever. And uh, I think that's a really cool way to think about it. And I, I, I encourage that. I'm loving these questions. Q, keep going. <laughs> P, do you have anything to add to that? You could jump in too. No, I think you did a great job. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, think, I, I know uh, my struggle here, Nate. I, I, I want to, I actually, I want to add on to that real quick. So Please. my buddy, Paul, Paul Miller, I work with at Voltage, right? For you, for those that don't know, follow future Paul on Twitter. He's great. I, I had this idea where it's like a lot of folks, when they start a routing node, they, the hardest part is getting that inbound liquidity. It's really easy to open up a channel and have a bunch of outbound liquidity, right? But you need to have inbound liquidity also. And channel, we were talking about channel balance, the channel balance earlier, but node balance is important. Add up everything, right? Add up all your channels. What percent is outbound? What percent is inbound? In my opinion, you got to be at least a 70-30 ratio on that if you want to run a good routing node. But the thing is, if you're not in a rush and you have low time preference and maybe you do want to pay your electricity bill using Bitcoin on BitRefill or something, it's really easy to use a phone app, right? Well, why not use your own node? Because when you open up a channel and make a payment, that the, the, the capacity of that channel switches, goes from outbound to inbound. So now you've got this inbound liquidity, which you could only get really, I mean, there's a couple of ways, but like the easiest way is to have somebody else open up a channel with you. Well, no one's going to open up a channel with you if you're brand new, usually. Usually you have to build your reputation up a little bit. But if you slowly start spending out of your channels on things, now all of a sudden you've got inbound liquidity, maybe after a month or two of just like spending it. And so we developed this concept called Live, Laugh, Love. And I can hear my coworkers oh, laughing God. in the background already. So step one is live, right? So use your node to live, but not actually live, but like buy stuff. 
right? That increases your inbound. And then so and then the uh, the laugh part is now you have all this inbound liquidity. Now you're actually a routing node all of a sudden because you're opening up a new channel every now and then. You're paying through it. Now you've got some inbound liquidity. And then the laugh part is now that you've got some inbound liquidity and you're a decent little routing node, you can go someplace like Magna, which you guys talked about with Joe. And now the channels that you open, you can actually get paid to open. So it's this really cool sort of little cycle. So that's a really cool way to bootstrap a lightning node if you've got low time preference and you can learn along the way without having to worry about, oh crap, I need inbound liquidity right away. You can just kind of make your own inbound liquidity over time. So I wanted to bring that up. So that's all. It's great. It, one of the things I like about that, that acronym, I guess, is that it matches the tattoo that I already have on my lower back that says in cursive, yeah. live, laugh, love. <laughs> so now, you know, I feel real solid about that. Tattoo. That was, that was Paul's idea. Cause I made this sort of like circle of life sort of thing where it's like open channel and then like spend funds, get inbound, sell channel. And then it kind of like goes through and then he called it the live, laugh, love or live, love, laugh or whatever it was. That that truly is amazing. And, and I want you to know how loudly I laughed while my mic was muted over here. I didn't want to interrupt the story, but that was gold. I have one question and you will think I am kidding, but I am completely serious when I ask you this. So Nate, I actually don't typically live in Nashville, but I'm in Nashville right now. And Pete you mm -hmm. is also down here. Um, so we are actually going to go get tattoos later this afternoon. So I want to know what should P and I get as matching tattoos today i'm thinking uh, like a bolt 12 offer qr code dude that's something arrested. i want to talk about remind <laughs> us to talk about that but no dude i don't know how about how about run nodes i don't know i'm, I'm i'll be in nashville next month just oh you gotta hit us up not be. yeah i think um, i'm gonna do like run nude instead and then maybe i'll do the <laughs> i do love that sticker though the voltage sticker that says run nodes is is dope you guys uh, dark, so it's fun yeah 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 absolutely I still stand by getting P's face tattooed on mine, like a little teardrop, just teardrop P. But yeah. moving on, we've heard P allude to how much, how many millions of Bitcoin he lost when he tried to set up his original Lightning node. Oh, yeah, um, millions I want to right. both embarrass P as well as just like have, I think, a, a come to Jesus moment of what are just the mistakes people do. Yep. when setting up a lightning node because i feel like p has scared me to a point where i may never be comfortable setting up a lightning node how dare uh, you besmirch my good name sir it, it's all p's fault i am not an adult who can make my own choices and decisions on my own it is i strictly operate based on what p tells me to do or not to do these are all lies so <laughs> so the, Running a lightning node, putting Bitcoin in channels isn't entirely riskless. There are a lot of theoretical issues that can pass up and they're theoretical, but they're totally possible at the same time, like attack and loot attacks. And like, they're all theoretical right now because no one's experienced it really in the wild yet, but there, uh, there are things out there that, you know, could could possibly happen someday. So it's important just to, you know, keep that in mind. It's probably really not likely, but some people would say it's more likely than I think it's likely. But number one thing, when you start a lightning node, you get a seed phrase. Don't lose your seed phrase. Do exactly what you would do with cold storage. Get a bit bitfotal or a crypto steal or whatever it is you do and put those seed words somewhere. One of the big things is folks don't actively download at least on lnd their 
channel backup, their static channel backup file, which is a very, 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 very small file, but it has all of the updated commit transactions for your channels, which is important because if your node breaks, then you need your seed words to recover the on-chain part of your wallet, but you also need your static channel backup to broadcast all the force closed transactions so you can get the money back from your channels. Now there are going to, there's talk about better ways to have backups than what we currently have, but this is the current way we do it. So if you don't have that static channel backup, you have to wait for your peer to initiate the force close, which who knows how long that could take. So I, my first node, I have the seed words, but I did not do the static channel backup as often as I should have. And I still have 8 million sats floating around out there that I hope someday will be force closed, but they probably won't be. Thank you for your so, sacrifice. Yeah, right. So I, I mean, that's that's one of my big tips, I guess, when you start. The other is if if you do get force closed on, you just usually got to wait a couple of weeks. And, and that's not a bug or whatever. That's a feature because if you go offline and your counterparty broadcasts an old transaction that says that they have more sats than they actually do, you need your you would like to have a time frame to get back online so you can contest that old state that they're broadcasting. So it's it's important, you know, to have that feature, even though it's inconvenient when for some reason a force close happens. And sometimes your peer doesn't know the difference maybe between a force close and a cooperative close and they accidentally force close it and you have to wait for some sets. But just don't freak out. There's usually a reason for everything on that. And that, that's pretty much just a couple things I have. I don't know if PU encountered anything on that mm, no i think you 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 hit the the main ones i think that reviewing all the incredible resources that are out there is a huge part of that as well i think you know you mentioned the voltage blog and the stuff that you've put out btc sessions has a number of great videos i would recommend people join plebnet the plebnet wiki is mwah. Yeah, yeah. So if you go to plebnet.org, that will take you to the Telegram group where there's thousands of people now that basically are all asking questions. And the other thing I would say is, you know, I know you're, you're mostly joking, Q, but like no one should feel stupid asking these types of questions. Like this stuff yep. is super complicated at first glance and it can feel really, really intimidating. And don't let anyone make you feel like, you know, you're stupid or like you shouldn't be asking these questions because that actually is the, the, the thing that will prevent you from learning. It's like, just throw yourself in and be like, I don't know what the fuck's going on. You'll go far with that, that approach. It certainly helped me a lot. We're on the edge of the cutting edge. It's, it's, you got to remember that there's yeah. no dumb questions on that. It's like calculus was just invented and we're learning it. <laughs> yeah. I like sure. that. Cause to be honest, and we were talking about this a little bit earlier, like everything we're doing quite frankly is just made up. Like if it if it wasn't made up by us, it was made up no less than ten, maybe twelve years ago, tops. So yeah. very much everything is new here. Yeah, and if you know if the Lightning Network can actually fulfill the dreams of of all these people, and it keeps growing, then gosh, we're so early. It's it's mind boggling how early it is. Like if things like Taro like really take off, like it's insane. Can we, can we unpack that statement though of like the dreams of Lightning Network? Like where, let's start with where sort of best case 
even some unimaginable use cases for lightning that like in your yeah. deepest desire wishes, like I want to see lightning use in this capacity in this. I, I'll start with yeah. a personal dream of mine that I think will become a reality very soon. Someone needs to just fucking make this. I am not capable to make this, but I want a sports betting platform. Okay. That lets me make in-game bets live over the lightning network so that I'm able to cash in and out quicker. And the fee that is being collected by the actual platform that's hosting these bets is not indicative of the visa fees and taking a cut out of my winnings, but rather just like a small little lightning, a few sats here or there for each bet I make. So someone go make that for me. Ellen Markets, so you have your next project. <laughs> that's awesome i gosh i don't know like a lot of fun stuff so like I, I like to play games i would like to see more indie developers video game developers that are making like these indie games that are like 10 or 20 bucks on steam but are really really good incorporate bitcoin in some way i know that yeah you know thunder and zebedee are are making these cool little phone apps and stuff which is great as like a proof of concept but we really i would really like to see some actual indie developers teams of like 20 people like build some cool apps or not apps build some cool games that uh, you know on pc or whatever that that would incorporate sats in some way I, I i can't really think of somehow but i think that would be really really neat on, on a on a bigger scale though i uh i i want to see the lightning network bring down the walls of bordered finance i think it already is and i think i think over time it's going to go in that direction but that is really really exciting to me is seeing that slowly happen and a lot of folks don't see it but i have to go on calls with people all the time that hear about voltage they have a web store they want to set up btc pay or they have a, a shop somewhere in the world that they want to accept bitcoin and i i help many people out every week over this and you just don't hear about it so a lot of people are like lightning network isn't growing nobody's using it yada 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 but i'm talking to people all the time that want to incorporate it alongside their traditional fiat ways but having it as an option is becoming a a bigger i mean you got there's so many reasons to do it right there's these credit card transaction fees if you run clover or toast at a coffee shop it's 50 cents plus three percent on your four dollar cup of coffee stuff like that like needs to change and strike is actually a, awesome because you could pay these invoices with dollars so I, I really am excited to do that i think a lot of what we need to do i think I'll, i think too much time is spent on the big picture political situation where all we need to be doing is getting to know our small businesses and slowly just orange pilling them and talking to them about Bitcoin and making friends with people. The grassroots is the way to go. That's my focus. So when I go out, I go to the butcher or go to a new place. I ask them, hey, you guys ever think of accepting Bitcoin before? And they're like, no, I'm not interested. Or they think, oh yeah, tell me more. And it, that's all it is. And you're planting the seed in their head anyway. So you might as well just bring it up in casual conversation. I think that's really, really important. Farmers markets, things like that. I don't know how I got off into that tangent, but I just, I no, feel like- No, I love this global, tangent. Keep going. I feel like the global, like, <laughs> like, like if you're in like a strip mall, right? And you're like the only shop accepting Bitcoin. You get one shop to do it. Everyone else in that strip mall knows each other. So they're going to be asking questions now too. And I really think that eventually there's going to be this cascading effect where it's just like all the dominoes fall over. 
And we're not there yet, but I really, uh, and I think all the dominoes are, are going to fall over from the big macro stuff world. I mean, probably private banks, whatever. The, I'm not really interested in them, but they'll probably get in on it eventually, hopefully as late as possible. I want to get the grassroots people in on it first and the local things. You know, what, what, what Mike Atwood and these folks in Austin are doing is amazing. There's many restaurants and businesses in Austin that accept Bitcoin now. They might not be running their own node. It's probably Open Node or something or Ibex, but it's still like it's happening on a, on a local level. So I see people that aren't into Lightning, probably have never used Lightning before, saying crap like nobody uses it. Complete nonsense. It's growing every day. Yeah, that always is hilarious to me when you talk to people and they're like, I mean, it doesn't even work. Like nobody's using it for anything. And you're like, when was the last time you tried to use the Lightning Network? And they're like, <laughs> 2015. And you're like, well, first of all, it didn't exist then. Second of all, the fuck are you talking about? Go try to use it today. <laughs> yeah, so... Okay, wait, I want to unpack a couple of things here. Firstly, I love these analogies of, of like going to a farmer's market because let me tell you, I got so mad when I tried to buy just one pupusa at my local farmer's market back in LA and they legitimately tried to charge me a total of 10% on the cost of the pupusa just to use my credit card. And the irony of it all was the fact that it was a square credit card reader and I really wanted to just be like, yo, Jack, like, come on, guys. Yeah. But yeah. Do, do you think there's a world where, you know, Square, given Block's mission, starts to just very quickly and easily assimilate lightning payments into credit card reader? Like, is that a realistic path forward? Or is this really going to be lightning is going to cannibalize and take away the entire payment infrastructure that is the credit card payment rail. Maybe someday the credit card companies will pivot in that direction, especially as businesses realize that they can, you know, a lot of businesses operate on a really thin margin. So if they can widen that margin a little bit, you know, why not at least try? And the really cool thing is accepting Bitcoin, the infrastructure is actually very, very simple. The, the challenging part that businesses have is if they need to convert it to fiat on the other end, which isn't built into something like BTC pay server. Yeah, but I don't know. They, they might. I, I think I think it all depends on market demand, right? I mean, if, if we still theoretically operate in a free market, the best needs to eventually win out. And it's still early days. Lightning Network has only really been around in a... In a working way and for a little over four years now. So it's going to, it's going to take some time. And, but I'm, I'm fully dedicated to the idea of just, I, I really think it's going to be a, you know, a hockey stick sort of curve on lightning adoption where we're going to grind it out until it eventually hits that cascading point and takes off. And then before you know it, these payment processors and stuff are going to realize that if they don't get in, they're going to be left behind. I don't know when that'll be, but it seems like the trajectory we're going. I am totally going to admit I got distracted by the picture, the still image of me that looks like I got destroyed by the <laughs> blip, but I do want to address what might be my favorite comment in the chats today. And it's genuinely the strip club comments. So like, are we going to be throwing open dimes at the strippers or are okay. strippers going to need to get like more QR codes or like where, where does, especially for these like smallest denomination yeah. like the last vestige of yeah. cash payment is the dollar bill i hand to the stripper 
This is actually great because this is one of my biggest annoyances with the Lightning Network. Now, we've talked about a lot of positives. I'm going to talk about one of my annoyances. By default, the invoice system of the Lightning Network, the Bolt 11 invoice system, is a pull payment, meaning I, as the receiver, have to generate an invoice before you, as the payer, can pay me, which is totally different from Bitcoin. Bitcoin, you just pay an address and and it, it goes, right? So it's really hard for, in this example, a stripper to generate an invoice while she's dancing. That doesn't work. So a, so Lightning Labs and just Lightning Devs start out with this key send. So key send is a QR code representing your node's public key where you scan the key send QR code, type in how much you want, and it pushes the payment to to the to the node that you're paying. There are a few downsides with key send, which is why now there's many other sort of ideas that some people may have heard of, LN URL, LN address, Bolt 12, all these different ways. And like what's really sort of annoying me lately is we need to have a, a standard on how we're gonna do push payments, I think. I don't want our poor stripper to have like four or five QR codes all representing different ways to tip so whether it be a tattoo or a piece of paper hanging off the stage or on a tv screen above or something there needs to be a, a way to do that that so i'm not sure how how that's going to work though but I, hopefully we can come up with a standard soon so i want to also just throw out another thing and i've genuinely started noticing this when i go just to local mom and pop businesses but consistently I've been seeing a anywhere from three to upwards of 5% discount with the promise of if you pay in cash, we'll essentially pass along that discount that we would have otherwise gotten from the credit card for, by having to pay, fulfill this payment through the credit card rails. There's also the caveat though that you know with cash, you can maybe skirt how much you actually made. Where like this is, in my opinion, the greatest opportunity for Bitcoin and the Lightning Network to really be utilized and showcased because so many small businesses are hurting. How, in your best assessment, would Bitcoiners infiltrate this while at the same time, like my genuine concern here is when I see these businesses do it, like there is a part of them that is like, I'm going to write ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 less on my tax returns. It's easy mm -hmm. to do that in cash. Mm -hmm. you really can't like mm -hmm. you could but it's all public like you could see these transactions on bitcoin and so theoretically you couldn't but where am i wrong in that statement where am i right and how do we onboard these small businesses yeah it's it's that's sort of a cloudy situation for sure because even with cash you need to put it in a safe or under your mat you gotta put it somewhere it's not invisible like like Bitcoin's invisible. So Bitcoin's a lot safer than cash because you can't get robbed very easily. You And I guess there's a few other reasons for that. I, I went to what I've been noticing re recently is the vast majority of gun shops <laughs> and ranges are privately owned. And the vast majority of them also give a discount on paying with cash. They don't want chargebacks to happen when they sell you a, uh, you know, a firearm. And I talked to a lot of shops over the last few months, and they are very interested in Bitcoin, which I think is really cool. 
I'm actually working on a side project called Bitcoin for gun shops that I'm, <laughs> I'm working on for fun. But like, I think like there's certain businesses that are just like primed for, for a Bitcoin point of sale system. But to get back to, you know, how do they, you know, they can report it as dollars. You know, I, I'm not a tax accountant or anything. I can't really help on that. So, but there's nothing wrong or illegal about accepting Bitcoin. You just report the dollar amount as far as I know and keep it on the books if you want. But yeah, farmer's markets also, if you sell a zucchini for a few thousand sats, you know, if you, it's, it's up to you if you want to report that or not. But yeah, it's really up to the individual. I don't know if that answers your question. No, it, it does. I mean, there's very clearly this opportunity for Bitcoin to just sort of slide itself into the day-to-day lives of every individual. It's yeah. just finding those opportunities and they will be different for everyone. I mean, no chargebacks is huge. No chargebacks, but you don't have to worry about carrying paper everywhere. That's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. It's crazy to me that that is, I don't know, it, it, that is a normalized thing that basically at any point, like six months from now, the person who purchased a thing from you can call their credit card company and basically say like, I, they, they, they did me wrong. They did me dirty. Or, or it was stolen. Or yeah, yeah, exactly. And then, you know, and then who loses? The, the business loses. Exactly. And they did nothing wrong. It's, it's dumb. Pretty well. Let's talk about. I, I th- my understanding is that you had some thoughts about about the show we did recently. I believe Joe's sort of analysis of the Lightning Network. Q, you want to sort of cue that up a little bit more, and then we can dive into that. I'd love to hear your thoughts. You're well, muted, I'm Q. muted like P, but it's cool. I'm unmuted now. <laughs> Essentially, the long and the short of the conversation we had with Joe last week was there's a way to introduce a risk free rate and. Mm. more or less introduce a credit rating system within the confines of the Lightning Network. I really appreciate the work that Joe is doing and and finding use cases to essentially have the current financial system better understand and better, I think, digest what it is we are building here in Bitcoin and how they can interact with it on a cleaner uh, and more direct pathway. And I'm just because I do not want to misquote this. I have too many tabs open as always. We'll start with the, where is it? Oh my God. You got this Q. I believe in you. We'll start with the risk free rate, which essentially starts at, yeah, at the very bottom of their, the risk curve. Hmm. There we go. Nope. <laughs> this is really fun. What is happening right now? To be honest with you, I just can't find this tab. And it, I found the tab. Thank God. All right. Risk return. Cold storage Bitcoin is the lowest amount of risk, the highest amount of return. Talk, Joe talked a lot about how the highest amount of risk and highest amount of return would be sort of on the off-chain lending side when individuals lend. Mm-hmm. And then sort of found different points on this sort of risk return curve that he created where LNRR... LN liquidity and Taro also sort of make up the in-betweens between cold storage Bitcoin and off-chain lending. The theory here essentially puts sort of how how much you want to put your Bitcoin at risk and what is the reward ratio for doing so. I, I truly thought it was fantastic. I'm not sure if you saw this chart, how you felt about it, but I want to actually start with 
my first question of it, are these type of things necessary? Like, do we need to pander to current financial institutions when everything that they have done and designed is actually rooted in failed theses that will inevitably lead to the collapse of everything that we know and love? I agree with that. I think that the incentives of this new bridging economy, not economy, marketplace of lightning where you work because it's not like you just drop sats in and reap a yield or whatever. It's a business in a lot of ways. You got to pull a bit of work into it. And then you have to have that, that ability to market your node with how well it's doing. And there's ranking tools and things like that right now. So it's, it's a, you can earn as much as you sort of put in, in a lot of ways. It's, it's really hard to maximize your income through selling or leasing channels or routing fees without having some decent capital to start with. But it, I, I really am interested in the concept that bigger institutions or just bigger node runners start a business somehow. I don't know how they would do this. I'm just kind of spitballing here where they want to provide liquidity to the lightning network and they use other people's Bitcoin to be the capital for their channel leasing. And then they keep a percent and then pay back a percent to whoever handed over their Bitcoin to do that. That's really interesting. I don't because the risk is so low but by the same token you can't necessarily lose any money the worst you could possibly do assuming there's no like catastrophic bugs in lightning or something the worst that could possibly happen is that you break even or lose the sats that you paid the on-chain to transfer to so that's kind of cool i don't i think as the fiat price of bitcoin increases that prospect grows with it where you know if if a, a million sats is suddenly worth i don't know ten thousand dollars or something you give a million sats they open up a million sat channel have a fee of whatever percent two or three percent no i mean not even that maybe like one percent whatever you know it's i'm not doing really the math but you know it's probably like 500 bucks or something i could be wrong i don't know but it's something right and i i think that's interesting and the incentives are cool because you your capital is going to be allocated towards areas of the network that are in demand so it's better for everybody using the lightning network at the same time so let's unpack <laughs> and i want to see if this curve is or sort of the order in which he follows aligned yeah, I, with I remember it brief a little bit I mean, i'll just read it off like yeah for example it's he has cold storage bitcoin being the least risky uh -huh. the next level up is lnrr the next level is lightning network liquidity lease then taro asset lending and then finally off-chain lending so LNRR, is he just talking about, I guess that's just collecting fees, routing mm -hmm. fees? Yep. Yep. I I don't see how leasing would be riskier than that. The only downside with that is these contracts on Magma and stuff, you are penalized if you close this channel before the promised time frame. So if you 
promise to have this channel open for at least 5,000 blocks and you close it down after 2,000 blocks, the network or anything, your node is fine. Nothing else is affected, but your reputation on the platform in which this market happened that you'll, you might get a ding on your account. So other people see this mark that says, oh, he, you know, once, you know, has a failure rate or a success rate, you know, whatever they decide to do, I think it's going to build out into that. So you have a risk of losing that reputation, but a risk to your capital is, is just as low in, in, in my opinion. And again, that risk is only really coming from the possibility of catastrophic failure of your hardware or some unforeseen gigantic, I don't know, attack of some kind. I, but you know, I, I think that's really, really low chance of, of losing funds there. And then Taro and lending, lending, lending is interesting. I'm not, you see, I'm not an expert like Joe is on this really. I'm not exactly sure. I mean, I mean, lending like you, maybe that was kind of like what I was saying before you, you give funds over and then they try to get that, that channel lease profit and then give you some. So yeah, that, that's definitely risky. Uh, anytime you hand over custody of your funds is risky. So I generally agree with that curve. All right, Joe, you survived another day. <laughs> I would just, I just don't understand how the fee rate and the lease selling is different. I would say that's about the same risk. It's my only sense. contention. Cool. Then I want to get a sense of just what are the attack vectors here? Like you, <laughs> you touched on, and it doesn't necessarily need to be like a directly on the lightning network, but you know, we saw a lot going on over the last week and we're still seeing the developing story with Tornado Cash. Like what are the attack vectors against the further advancement of the light network? Yeah, I mean, the worst case scenario is all the governments get together and say, you're going to the gulag if if we catch you doing this stuff, right? So I guess that's one end of the spectrum and that's the least likely. I mean, these state actors and stuff, they can, they can slow us down. They can you know, kick and scream as they drown. That's how I look at it. But I have, it's like, even, even if something catastrophic like that happens, I'm still not going to have any regrets at all because this revolution of freedom of finance is one that's worth fighting for. And it's more important than any of us individually. And I've got no regrets dedicating everything I have to Bitcoin and, and furthering out what I find most interesting about it. And I think that there's a lot of great thinkers in the Bitcoin world that have their own specialty. And I'm, I'm really happy to do what I can to help people out individually and things like that. So I, I, I think that the trend that the world is going in from, you know, the ECB to all that stuff is is a pretty negative trend. But by the same time, um, business owners and stuff are going to go use things that I think will benefit them the most. And if the dollar, if the fiat they're using is melting and they can't put food on the table, they're going to switch to a better money. But I can't predict the future on that. We can just keep building and, and build as much as we can. I know that the the fear of open source devs being targeted 
by governments is is kind of freaky. The IRS thing is kind of freaky. You know, if if I don't I don't know what's going to happen with all that, but we just got to push through. I think I think the I think it's going to be brighter on the other side, and I think I don't think this train is slowing down. I'm a little disappointed that you actually can't see into the future. P <laughs> promised me that I could ask you a few questions about some bets I was going to make, but I guess I, there's no point I, since I you can't see the future. <laughs> I thought he had more power than he does. Oh, uh, for getting your but, hopes up too high. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm really optimistic long term. Short term, I'm just seeing what happens. I'm in Texas. I'm in the freest place that I can get where my wife will let us live. So it's all good. Yeah, for sure. But, we yeah. didn't get a chance to really go into tarot, did we? I mean, my opinion on tarot is is pretty basic. I don't know if that's a good thing or bad thing, but it's essentially, there's a market for it. That's awesome. As a lightning node runner, I want to see more throughput so I can collect more fees anyway. So Godspeed, good luck as far as like world implications and stuff. I think it's too early to tell. I think the um, the 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 media and the articles and stuff that Lightning Labs has put out is extremely interesting. I know that as soon as Taproot was pretty much confirmed to be part of Bitcoin Core, they went straight into Taproot because Taproot's on LND now, and and that's a big part of Taro also. So even though Taro is not strictly a Lightning Network thing, it's going to be on-chain thing too. So I'm interested to see where Lightning Labs is going with that. I'm saying a lot because I don't really, don't really know. I don't really know. I'm excited. Tell you what though, I'm going to do exactly what I do with everything. And that is as soon as it comes out, I'm going to install it and play with it. <laughs> even like I'm a tinker. So even if it's something I'm not directly going to use, I'm excited to, to sort of play with it. So hopefully we get beta or something next year probably and get to play with that a little bit more. But, you know, I mean, there's a lot of really cool things coming out, though. So on the horizon at Voltage, we're building a node analytics tool that's going to be customizable and help Lightning Node runners make decisions like channel balancing and stuff at, at a glance. And that's going to be for everybody, not just Voltage users, but it might be monetized. So don't don't get too excited on that. But it's going to be really good for uh, enterprise node runners and stuff. And uh, we're really trying hard to help automate running a node based on specific user types like merchants and stuff because merchants don't care about routing they just care about having quality inbound so stuff like that we're doing i don't know why i pivoted to that over taro i just don't really have a very strong opinion on taro because i haven't got to play with it yet not only no it was that but it was a hard pivot to just a, a nice shell for voltage yeah <laughs> i'm just giving shit no it, i i think it's gonna be awesome you guys no, are for sure. like it. well uh, is there anything else that you want to discuss today, you know, as we kind of wrap up here? Anything we didn't cover? Gosh, we covered a lot, didn't we? We did. It was a great conversation. I, I want to say that another voltage thing, I guess. We're actually doing a webinar workshop today at 4 p.m. Texas time. Um, if you want to join in on that, it'll be a live thing. We're just going to do like a, an overview of the platform. We're going to be doing this more and more. It'll be on YouTube later. So follow the YouTube channel the Voltage YouTube channel and watch that. So the, we're going to be doing stuff like that. Gosh, no, guys, I, I I feel like we covered a lot, P. I don't know. How's your node doing, man? Well, I have a secret node that I've been running since I moved, yeah. but I don't have a public <laughs> lightning node that I have up and running. I need to, you know, invest more in the care and feeding of my of my node for sure. I haven't been able to do much with it these days, but yeah, yeah. going good, man. I really want to explore CL and dive into it. We need uh, to get you running one. Yeah, yeah. 
(laughs) These are are facts you speak. I will not lie. I cannot tell a a lie. I do want to ask you, Nate. P, can I hijack this for the end? Sure. Can I, can I do the end stuff now? Okay, cool. When you think of Amsterdam, what do you think of? I've been to Amsterdam. I've I have to not. Amsterdam 2016. I went in January and the sun never came out, but it was a super fun time. Uh, there's a place called Beer Fabrique, B-I-E-R Fabrique. If anyone's going, they have really awesome chicken and fries and beer and stuff. I know that doesn't really sound that great, but it's like insanely good. The Heineken Brewery is pretty fun. If you want to do something touristy, it's actually really, really fun. And uh, there's lots of other cool little things about Amsterdam. Hopefully it hasn't changed too much. I know uh, it's been kind of wonky politically with the farmers and everything. But when but when I went seven, six or seven years ago, it was a lot of fun. I did. I traveled a lot in Europe. So but Amsterdam is super fun. If, if anyone's going, please check it out. Other things other than just your conference, which I know is going to be awesome. I probably won't. <laughs> go, but Boo. I know. Is that if there was any one either currently listed speaker for Bitcoin Amsterdam or someone that you really want to see speak? Ooh. Because mind you, all speeches will be made available on YouTube. We will be streaming. Who's some headliners already? He. <laughs> Give me some headliners so I don't like. I don't know. Back. You walked yourself into this one. I walked myself into this one. So we got Adam back. We got Odell. We got Gladstein, Pedro, Pierre Rochard, Ray Youssef, Pierre, that's cool. Farrington, Giacomo. Ooh, Philip, Prince of Serbia as well. Hmm. Knut Svanholm. I hope I pronounced your last name, Knut, correctly. Oh, yeah, he just he just has to take his canoe down the canal. I forget. I might be totally off on that. No, you're right. You're right on that. Okay. Yeah, I. Uh, gosh, that's an interesting question, dude. Adam Back's awesome. He was at uh, Coin Plus Plus in Austin, the developer conference, just hanging out with us. I actually hung out with him and Thaddeus Dryer, who was one of the writers of the Lightning Network white paper at the same table in the hotel just it's just surreal that you go to these conferences and you get to like run into these people and talk to people but no gosh i don't know that sounds that sounds pretty good how many are we expecting what percentage of the uh, miami conference are we expecting to be in amsterdam so far if you don't mind yeah no i'll i'll, I'll read you the exact most recent ticket out numbers right now it was p i was really hoping you were gonna bleep me out there <laughs> Like that in deeper and deeper and deeper. I, just, yeah, I, no. I, I like the idea of Bitcoin. I, in a way, I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I don't know how. I. I, for, I don't have any example, but I'm pretty sure the Netherlands is like somewhat anti-Bitcoin in a lot of ways. I'm not sure if that's true or not, but it's kind of cool going into the belly of the beast if that is true. Like you should have had it in Brussels. Like that would be hilarious. That would actually <laughs> be pretty funny. For context, to explain like right the across the street from the EU. Like there you go. Him. But no, uh, I think friends. that's a cool idea. I don't know who thought of the idea of making it uh, more of an international conferences, but I think uh, I think Europe's a good spot to have it. So that's cool. You heard it here. It was a good idea. So therefore, you should go and buy a ticket and use promo code BM Live <laughs> to get ten percent off. All right, uh, Nate. Thank you again so much for joining us. Really appreciate your time and all the work you've done on the Lightning Network, helping people understand it. As we talked about, I would encourage every to explore the Lightning Network more. It is not nearly as daunting as it seems, and there are a ton of incredible resources, many of them published by the man himself, Nate, who is in this call. 
if you want to contact me directly at beef or bacon one on Twitter, or if I don't see my DMs, we have a Discord, voltage.cloud slash Discord. I'm much easier to reach on there. Awesome. My friends, we will see you all tomorrow, same time, same place. Until then, peace. Hey guys, this is Q from Bitcoin Magazine Live. We're going back to Miami for Bitcoin 2023. Lock in your tickets before prices go up. Use promo code BMLIVE to get 10% off of your tickets today. The censorship-resistant issue of the Bitcoin Magazine print edition is available now. Grab your copy at your local Barnes & Noble store or head on over to the Bitcoin Magazine store and use promo code BMLIVE to get 10% off of your order today.